puff and I'm going to puff and I'm going to blow this house in. And he huffed and he puffed and he, he huffed and he puffed. He had to do it twice, but that house fell. And the little pigs ran away again by the skin of their teeth from the big bad wolf who wanted to have a pig dinner that night. So they go away and they find a pile of precious stones. And they began to build a house. They're learning a lesson as this is going on. Hey, we better build with a more sufficient material. And that's what this message is about. That's what Paul's telling the Corinthian church. You need to build with more sufficient material. So they find these stones, and they began to build the house, and Big Bad Wolf learns about it. And he goes over to them, and he screams to them, Little pig, little pig, let me come in. And again, their reply, not by the hair on my chinny, chin, chin. He said, then I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll blow your house in. So he huffed and he puffed and 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 then he got COPD. He was done. And it didn't fall because that house was built with stones precious stones. I don't believe the reference here is to diamonds and rubies and emeralds. I think the precious stones that God's talking about might be marble from the rock or granite from a rock. The rock of Gibraltar, higher than Gibraltar, Jesus Christ. Verse 13, your work will be revealed by fire. The fire will test the quality of your work. If your work remains, you will receive a reward, Paul is telling them. The fire will test the quality of your work. The wrong type of building material will be burned up. The good material will be refined. And a reward will follow. Let's read verse 15. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved. See, that tells you about the carnal Christian. He's born again. He, his work will be burned up, but he will be saved. Yet, so as through fire, you will have no crowns, carnal Christian, to cast down at the feet of Jesus whenever the 24 elders in heaven in chapter 4 of Revelation, verse 10, the 24 elders fell down before him and worshipped him who lives forever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy to receive honor and glory forever and ever. You won't have anything to throw there. You'll be bowed down, but you won't have anything to throw there. Because you were carnal. You weren't fired up for Jesus. There's a world out there ready for a harvest. And we need to support it. This is a good missionary message. And it really is. You can't go, but you can give. You can give your prayers. You can give your finances. So it says, you know what, I'm really upset at the churches today because... Whenever COVID hit and people dissipated and the monies didn't come in, they cut the missionary salaries. Instead of sending all, selling off the properties they have gained over the world in the world, 
You sell off the property to fund the missionaries. God will give it back. What's the priority here? Keeping a building so you can get rent? Or, or the soul that needs to be saved? I'm upset about that myself, being raised in a missionary, well, discipled in a missionary church. So we here at Freedom Church didn't cut that off. The fire doesn't purify the worker. That fire is not going to purify you. The blood of Christ purifies you. It satisfies the wrath of God against sin. The fire purifies the workmanship. Not the worker, the workmanship. The worker will be saved because he believes. And you know the scriptures, Acts 16, 31. If you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. And other scriptures you you well know. For by grace you're saved through faith. By grace you're saved through teaching Sunday school. No, that isn't what it says. By faith, by grace you're saved through faith in Christ alone. The foundation of Christ you're able to support whatever a man can build because he's the rock mountain. Verse 16, do, not, you, do you not know that you are the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells in you? Listen, church, believer, whether you're on fire or you're carnal, the Holy Spirit dwells in you. The Holy Spirit dwells in you. You are now the physical temple of God. The building, the temple is just a building. Jesus turned the temple into us. We are now the temple. And I told you many times, John 2, verses 19 through 21, Jesus said, you destroy this temple, this building, and in three days I'll raise it up. And the Jews are going, this guy's crazy. He's insane. He wasn't talking about um, he wasn't talking about a literal building. He was talking about this temple that he was going to be crucified. He's going to be dead. This is now the temple of God. And you know, you are now the temple of God, and the Holy Spirit dwells in you. And that's what happened. They said it took 46 years to build this temple, and it wasn't completed until like till 70 A.D. or just before 70. I think it was 64 or 67 A.D. There were more years to build on it. Jesus said, you, t- you t- destroy this temple, and I'll raise this temple up in three days. This temple, just like he said, on this rock, me, I will build my church. Not Peter's church, my church. Now God's dwelling in us is a reality. That's why Jesus said to to the disciples, it's expedient that I go away. For if I do not go away, the comforter will not come. If any man, verse 17, defile or destroys the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, and that's what you are. You and I are the temple of God. Don't you feel holy now? We're holy because we are temples of God. See, God's madly in love with you. He doesn't care what you did, unbeliever out there. 
He don't care if you murdered a bunch of people. He loves you, and he's willing to forgive you. I told you about those, I might have told you one time about the, the man we used to deliver, distribute those Bibles. Remember I told you about the Bibles that would come in and the UPS guy got saved, you know? Well, we took those Bibles and went around and got them into the motels in the area. And the one motel, which was everywhere, it wasn't a good motel, it was one of those motels where everybody goes, don't have to give her a name or anything. Well, we went in there, and I, uh, we asked the guy. There was two of us, two guys with me, I think. We went in there if we could ask him to put Bibles in their rooms and in the office so people could take them. And he said, why would you do that? Because well, we want to tell them that Jesus loves them and God will forgive them. He started crying, ran out of the room like a baby. About 20 minutes later, it seemed a real long time, he comes back out. He said, God would love me? And I said, yes, he would. He ran out of the room crying again. Come back, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes later. And he said, he said, but I was in World War II and I killed so many people. God will forgive me? And we said, yes, God will forgive you. And he bowed his head and accepted Jesus Christ as his Savior. And he made sure all those Bibles were put in the room. I remember he was from like a Minnesota or something, but he was in Pittsburgh running a motel. Listen, God loves you so deeply. So you did kill somebody in World War II. I know people that, that premeditatedly killed people in, in, uh, in, uh, in World War II that told, told me. And God forgave them. And I know a particular one that's in heaven with the Lord right now because God forgave him. Because all that wrath went on Jesus. The, the penalty of your sin went on Jesus. And Jesus' strong foundation is able to take it. Because he is that rock mountain. Those coming down on the church, and from this verse, will pay a tremendous penalty. It says, he who destroys or defiles the temple of God, which is you, God will destroy him. Unless you repent. If you repent. That means we forsake your sins. Not just repent of them, but forsake them. Otherwise, the wrath of God is going to come down on you, and he's going to destroy you, and you'll be destroyed in the lake of fire that burns forever. Yeah, this is a hellfire and damnation preaching in, in, in parts. I told you I'm a teacher, but I'm also a preacher. But I like to teach because there's so much in the Word of God to glean. Verse 18, no man can... Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become foolish so that he may become wise. You know what Paul's saying in here, the basics, basic term is, the world's upside down from me. The world's upside down from me. I'll tell you, I said, if the world's working south, you know to turn around and walk north because pretty sure the direction towards God is the opposite way. It's the opposite way. There's no doubt about it. They turn, it says in Acts 17, verse 6, When they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren into the rulers, in, unto the rulers of the city, crying, These men have turned the world upside down. Listen, they are in Thessalonica. No, they're in Corinth right now. Okay. They just came from Derby, 
They just came from Lystra. They came from Philippi. They came from Thessalonica. And now they're in Corinth. And their reputation preceded them. They already knew that these guys were turning the world upside down, which in God's eyes is right side up. See, the world is upside down. The world tells you that, that um, you're, a, you're a fool if you believe in God. Well, that isn't what Romans chapter 1, verse 7, 18 through 19 says. It says you're wise and they're the fool. Who are you going to believe, God or the world? Life magazine might print it, but it's wrong. God's right. Listen. The world says happiness is, should be your goal, and God says, no, you're to be broken and humble. The world says you should avoid pain at all costs, but God tells you that some pain's necessary for your growth. God, the world says, never let them see you cry, but I know the King of kings and the Lord of lords, he cried. When he approached Jerusalem, he said, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. How I long to take you under my wings as a hen gathers her chicks, but you would not. Then in the 19th chapter of uh, Luke, I believe it is, yeah, it says, as Jesus neared the city, he wept over it. The world says men don't cry. I remember my dad telling me when I was a little boy, boys don't cry, men don't cry. When I became a Christian, I started crying all the time. I can't watch a little house on a prairie without crying half the time. If the king of kings can cry, I can cry. Or you men can cry. The king of kings, Jesus, who is the creator, who God made all things through Christ, according to Colossians, he can cry. He cried because he didn't cry because Lazarus was dead. He cried because Mary and Martha and all these people were, were broken-hearted, and he wept for them. And I believe in the garden, it doesn't say that, that he cried, but he was sweating blots, drops of blood and water. I believe he probably had tears mixed in that too. And if the king of kings can, can cry, then so can you. So the world is upside down. The world says you don't have to say you're sorry. But God says you are to tell people you're sorry and forgive them and repent. The world says not to listen to the Bible because it's old-fashioned. You know, it's not, it's, it hasn't changed with the times. And you're a weak-minded person if you believe in it. You're narrow-minded. You're brainwashed. But God says that we should turn this world upside down. The Word of God says that don't move the foundation stones that the elders have built. God set a foundation. It's the Word of God. You can read the Ten Commandments and find that out in Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5. And you can go and find the other 603 commandments. God says, don't you dare move these foundation stones. But the world's moving them. Don't move it. This is the Word of God. It is inerrant. It will last forever, and it is perfectly accurate. And you know it is if you've been a believer for any amount of time. The world says it's out of date. God says, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. My Word never changes. It accomplishes what I set it forth to do. 
And I'll end with these three strong exhortations that Paul gives to the Corinthian church. I say exhortation, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to describe it a little bit better. Three strong, emphatical urgings that they need to do something. An emphatical urging that they need to do something. Number one, the Corinthians must stop giving themselves praise. They were giving themselves enthusiastical praise. They were thinking they alone have the deepness of Scripture, and Paul's rebuking them because they're still babes. They're thinking like, I can speak in tongues. I have the gift of prophecy. Oh, I can lay hands on the sick and they recover. Listen, you don't boast in those kind of things. You're still a child, he's telling them. You think you're grown up, but you're not. On the front of their church, it says Jesus only. And then a windstorm came, and it blew the first three letters off of, of the J-E-S blown off, and it says us only now. It's only about them, the Corinthian church. Verses 21 through 23, the last verses. Therefore, let no man glory in men, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas, that's Peter, or the word, or the world, or life, or death, or things present, or things to come. Number two, strong, emphatical urging to do something is they are to quit exalting men. Not only the first point, they're, qu- they're to give, quit giving themselves self-praise. Now they're saying, don't quit exalting men. Quit exalting men. This is seen clearly today in the Christian churches. You, they, 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 if the pastor moves, they move. Listen, you ain't going to church for the pastor. You better not be going. You better be going for this, the Word of God. Because I'm no eloquent speaker, and I know it. You know what? So was Moses. He couldn't speak that much at all. Aaron did all the talking. You think God can't use somebody that don't, is not eloquent? His Word, Isaiah 55, 11, goes out and it accomplishes exactly what he wants as long as it's his word. That's why I use a lot of the word of God. My words don't really go anywhere. God's word are eternal. You must boast in Christ alone, not men, not yourselves. You go to God with all things. You trust God, not men. You can be like that lame man that Jesus healed. The lame man came to Jesus and asked, do you want to, or Jesus came to this lame man, he said, do you want to be well, made well? And the man said, I have nobody to throw me in the water. So he told him, you know, be well. Take up your pallet and walk and go home. On, a, on the Sabbath day, he walked through the temple holding his pallet. Number three, the point of emphatical urging to the Corinthian church they were to stop excluding their brothers. Well, your brothers, this guy's black. Oh, oh that guy's red. Oh, um, um, I don't like him. He stutters when he talks. Oh, I don't like the way he dresses. Quit excluding your brothers. And I, I could go back to Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse 19. And as the Jews, the Hebrews, were entering the promised land, here's what God 
gave, said to them. He said, as the Hebrews, as you move into the promised land, God told them not to let their axes fly in the heat of the battle and not to cut down the fruit trees that will provide food for them later. Do you see the spiritual point in there? It's a little hazy, but it's there. In other words, quit excluding your brothers because they have gifts. You're cutting them off, just like you'd be cutting down a fruit tree that's going to feed you later. Yeah, a guy may have the gift of prophecy, but you don't like him because, he, because he, he's a Galilean. And he's not a Corinthian. He has the gift that's going to encourage you later, but you cut him off. So you can't, you aren't going to get fed. So don't do that. Don't let your axes fly to cut down the fruit that's going to come from those people. So it's true spiritually. See, the, the Word of God is literal, but it's also spiritual. Jesus said, you search the Scriptures, and in the Scriptures you think you have eternal life. He says, no, I don't. He says, he says, I am in the Scriptures. I, you search the Scriptures, and you think that you have eternal life, and these are they that bear witness of me. The Scriptures bear witness of Christ. They're all spiritual. Even in Genesis 3.15, when God pronounced the sentence against the curse against Satan, he said, the seed of the woman will bruise your skull and you only bruise his heel. That's the spiritual side of that. It was just literal. Did Satan bite his heel? Yeah, spiritually. And Jesus crushed his skull. See, scriptures are not just literal, they're spiritual. But you have to be careful because you can come up with some nonsense. If, if literal sense makes good sense, seek no other sense because you can come up with nonsense. Listen, don't cut them off. They're your friend. They're your brother. Love your brother. The psalm, Proverbs 18, tells us that we have a friend that sticks closer than a brother. For those of you that are lukewarm, don't cut Jesus off from your life. Get fired up by it once again. You can come up to the altar and get saved or recommit your life to the Lord. Or you can go to our e email, my email, joe at freedomchurchpb.org, joe at freedomchurchpb.org, and tell me that you accepted Jesus so we can rejoice with you. And then, as you walk with him, Jesus gave us a new command. He said, I can do commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you love one another. By this, all men will know that you believers are my disciples if you have the love in your heart for one another. So that's the end of the message today. And I have more pages I could get into, and there just isn't time. I timed this message yesterday, and I found out it was one minute and one hour and 20, 20 uh, minutes. I shaved off six minutes. That's <laughs> all standing in some other notes. But listen. If you don't know Jesus out there over the Internet, you get on your knees right now. Time's running out for this world. You can see it every day. All you got to do is believe. You confess, confess with your mouth Jesus Christ as Lord and believe in your heart, not your head, your heart, that God raised him from the dead. You shall be saved. And ask Jesus to forgive you your sins, cleanse you from all unrighteousness, 
and you will receive the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, one of his symbols is fire, and you'll be on fire for Jesus. And the point is, you've got to stay on fire. So let it be done. To God be the glory. Now unto him who is able to keep us from falling, to present us faultless before his throne with exceeding joy. To our only wise God and Savior, Jesus Christ, be glory and honor, dominion and power for now and forevermore. I love you all, church. God bless you. God bless you. Get up to the altar. You at home, get on your knees. Amen.